15. Matter of fact, just read the whole thing. It's only 21, so read the whole thing. So if someone wants to read the first 10, and then someone read the last. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This is, the tru this is truly the way to worship him. Don't, cop don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than, than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. <clears throat> in this grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with uh, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift of showing kindness to, to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what, to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. I'll just finish this off. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. <coughs> be eager to practice hospitality. Verse 14. <coughs> bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who are weep. Oh, with, weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay, never pay back evil with, with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can do to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous, the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge and I'll, I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil come to you, but conquer evil by doing good. So, what do you see? What's the main focus of this behavior? What kind? Righteous behavior. Loving others. Loving. Kind of behavior, righteous behavior towards others. And how are you supposed to <coughs> how are you supposed to have that behavior based on what? Being a true Christian. <coughs> no, 
also using your gifts to do, to love people. Right, if you're not a true Christian, then you won't have those gifts, right? Where does it say that here? So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and, uh, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. So we are many members of one body, that one body is Christ, but each of us have many gifts, and these are how these gifts are lived out. So how are the gifts aligned? According to faith. And what's, where's that? So it says... Um, uh, in proportion to our faith in verse 6. So we think proportion to our faith means. <coughs> and there's an answer here in Scripture. Gotta look at it if you want. No. You actually have to look at it. Yeah, yeah, well, 6 is what he was saying, according to the proportion of your faith. So. According to what proportion? What's that mean? Verse 3 would be your answer. Grace given to me. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was the grace that was given to you. And how is it given? And what proportion? Right, so what do you think? So, the allotted equally measure of faith. So, do you think he gave one more faith than the other? That's not what it says. It said the amount of faith. It is he allotted each person a measure of faith. And so, it's he, he's given it to us, and how the faith was given us to us was through our giftings. He gave it to us in giftings. Well, it was through Christ, but it was in giftings. to be exhibited through giftings. And so... So then, uh, what do you think, when he talks in verse uh, 5 and 6, and he starts saying that, it, uh, that you're to live it out, exercise it accordingly to the proportion of faith, so is that, a, is that a volume number proportion? Or is it more of, maybe he gave one encouragement and he gave someone else teaching? Yeah, it's going to be the second one. Because some people have the different giftings, some people have multiple gifts, and some have, you know, a, a, a main gift, I guess, a primary gift thing. What is how I would describe it? You know, you got more, you got more measure of this particular gifting than this measure of gifting, but it's not the quantity of faith altogether. And so, as you know, mine is prophecy, and prophecy, just FYI, is not seeing into the future. By the way, uh, so for those that you know, if you think it's just a seeing seeing the future and it unfold that way, that is not prophecy. Uh, the prophets in the Bible did that, but that's not this kind of prophecy. The prophecy that's given to us at this point in time isn't the same as the Old Testament prophets. And so prophecy actually means it's uh, inspired utterance. So, um, I mean, it, you know, it's a, uh, an ability to prophesy. It's an ability to tell truth. You know, that's what prophecy is. You can see into someone's life and see where they are and 
That's, uh, for a prophet, you make people really, 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 really uncomfortable most of the time. You know, and so, you know, as a gift of prophecy, it's not being able to see in the future. You know, God will give you dreams. I'm not saying he doesn't do that. I'm just saying that's not what prophecy is. Prophecy is, is the ability, there is a seer, uh, you know, and there is a gifting where people can see things, but that's not necessarily what prophecy is. Prophecy here, meaning that it's a gift of being able to speak truth and tell truth. So I can look into someone's, I, someone can stand before me and God will reveal to me where they are in their walk with him. And then I begin to speak truth about that. Or he might be able to say, I see a preacher in you. You know, and so there have been times when, you know, it's, I start calling someone a preacher and they're like, what? You know, well, that's part of the indication to them. God is speaking to them through that prophecy. And so, in a sense, that would be a future scene, but that's not what the same thing as <coughs> some dream unfolding, you know, kind of as you were describing the other day. That's not the same thing. Uh, it's not that that doesn't happen, that's not what I'm saying. It's just different. This prophecy here is a prophecy of telling truth. No matter, it's hard sometimes to tell truth to somebody. And so, you know, some people can do that. I, that's my strongest gifting. So that's not as uncomfortable for me. Teaching is a lesser gift, so I have a lesser measure of that. So that's not my main gift. You know, exhortation, you know, a gift of encouragement. And when that happens, I'm able to encourage people and people are... You know, God would speak to me, you know, like when people come in and help us straighten up the chairs, you know, I'll go speak to certain people that God sends me down to to speak to and say certain things to them. And, uh, you know, it's, it's very interesting how sometimes what unfolds after that, and how either they need that gift, that moment of encouragement, or they didn't see something in themselves, maybe a preacher in the making. You know, maybe like Brian, uh, what's that? Is that what he's saying? You know, I mean, he's... From what I hear, he's looking at surrendering, or he is surrendering to ministry, and he'll be a youth minister. And you know, I don't know that he saw that, you know, before before summer. I don't know, and he's been here a couple summers at least. You know, I had to go speak something to him. I don't know that that had any influence on him, but it's like I could see that he was going to be a preacher. You know, he was going to be an encourager. You know, and so he was already leading in that capacity. And and so it's just it's sometimes it's just a confirmation of what God's already telling him that God will use that. But it's the ones who are living outside of God that get really uncomfortable with those kind of giftings. And you've been gifted with something, so what is it? What is your gift? You know, so you have to, that's how he's given us the gift to relate to one another. And so what tend, people tend to do with those kind of things is they don't like that gift, so then they chastise somebody with one of whatever the gift is. So then you get chastised with it, and you get set aside, and that's not what Paul's exhorting here, is what he is saying is, each one of you has been given a measure of faith. And it's the full measure of God in Christ Jesus, but it's exhibited through gifting. So it makes sense? And so your giftings, you know, there's talent and then there's giftings. There's two different things here, too. So, like, you know, obviously, for some of you guys have talents that, you know, it's like when you picked up the camera and you can see a natural eye, a natural talent. Well, there's a talent there. You know, so each one of you have different talents to do things. And... That's a proportion of faith, too. I don't have what Rachel has for instance. There's no way I can do that and do what she does. I don't even have the desire to do that kind of thing. You know, but my gifting in, in my art world and my talents are something just very different. You know, and I can't do what Chris does. I, I, I can't think like he does. When he starts thinking through all the, you know, to build an amp and think about all those little pieces that go to it and think about all that stuff and how all this stuff works, just how electricity flows. I could care less. I just want to know that it turns on, you know. 
and then it works. But he, he gets energized by how how it works and how it puts together. So he thinks very differently than I do. That's talent. Now the gifting is how it's how that talent is issued out amongst the believers. And so this is a, this is the epitome of teamwork right here in this chapter. And that's what's happened here is when you serve one another, then you know. As uh, like last night, Stephen came and he showed me a picture. And he says, "What do you think about this picture? Do you think this? I don't know. It could have been any one of you." Well, it happened to be your picture, you know, and he was bragging on your picture, how wonderful this picture was, a good promo picture. And I said, that right there is celebrating someone else's gifts. And you put yourself lesser than and say, and which is Paul saying here later, he finally, if you think of Paul in terms of the Benjaminite guy, the top dog, you know, very proud of who he was and, and killing Christians and all that stuff. And then when he was changed and he started to see more of Jesus, the less important he became. And so your talents, your gifts, your things become less important. And what becomes more important? Other people. And so then that's what happens. And if you can't celebrate someone else's gift, if you're jealous of someone else's giftings, well, you know what? If you're jealous of them, you know what that means? I wish I had that gifting. Well, I, I do wish I had some of your giftings. But I know I don't. And it doesn't benefit me to wish that I had them because it's not going to come. It's not, unless God does something and gives me that measure of faith at some point in time, that is not for me. So what am I to do? I'm to exhort on my giftings, to exhort, encourage you in what you do. And hopefully you'll give everything you have to that to serve the rest. You see how it starts to work together? So, you know, it's like in the I'm Alive video, various different things came together that that you guys all did as a team to now, it's, a, it's now encouraging. You know, there's hundreds of views. And when you go look on the chains, this is, approaching near the thousand mark or may have already surpassed that. Uh, by the way, we need to post that on Facebook, not the link to YouTube. We need to, but there's a way to post it so people actually view it more. So we've had 5,000 you know, people engage that video already. You know, and so uh, it's a, that is a powerful message. So your giftings are encouraging people. And you know, as you, as you watch the video, and this is the interesting thing, and I don't know how much uh, Matthew thought about putting the pieces together to fit the words, but you know, the, there are certain things that are being said in his speech and, and there the shame of saying that that are specifically being displayed by a picture. I mean, it's being illustrated by a picture set free. The guy jumping off, I don't know who took that picture, jumping off the top of the, the deal. You know, I mean, just perfect. You know, the tug of war kids, I don't know if someone took the tug of war. God is for you. You know, what better picture of the tug of war, you know? Just things like that, and then you have been forgiven, and what's the picture? Does anybody know what comes to mind? What's on there? Oh, the back. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, it's talking about forgiving. God is pleased with you. What's the picture? Yeah, studying, you know, writing. So, I mean, it's like God's pleased with you. You're seeking after me. You see how all that stuff came together? Did you think through all that? You know, how did you think through that? It was a gifting that was given for you to even see that kind of stuff. So it's, it's the way to see the vision and illustrate the vision. And when you, those pictures were taken, did any of you think that that's what that picture would be used for? You know, the, the, the joining of the hands. You know, just every bit of it, the video <coughs> that was taken, every bit of it that was put together there, you know, did, did you... Did, did you think that that's what it was going to turn out to be in the end? So it's all part of the whole, and that's what he's speaking here in this whole chapter, is each one of you had giftings, 
and some had more had more involvement in the video than others, obviously. You know, and so, but it still took every single person and every something from every one of us. You know, and that's how the body works. Well, okay, well, so today it's only two or three people, maybe. You know, tomorrow it's four people, and tomorrow it's another different three people. It doesn't matter whether it's everybody every single time. The fact is, are you committed to the overall? And that's what Paul's talking about here. And you can't do that if you're alive unto yourself. And so that's what he's made all this 11 chapters of you're the same. You're not better than anybody else. You're not lower than anybody else. You all are the same and you have the same opportunity. And when you both came to faith in Christ Jesus, both sides of the story here, so us being Gentiles here, that we're the same as the Jew who becomes a Christian. And so whether it be a pastor in the church or someone who's gone to seminary or someone who has not, it doesn't matter. Or someone who surrendered to, you know, my friends who were up here as missionaries yesterday, you know, from Africa, doesn't make them any better than any one of us who doesn't go to Africa. You know, and so they have their faults too, just like we do. But they have their giftings, just like we do. But it's all put together. And it's like what's happening with them is their, their, their family went, went there, but there's a whole group of more people coming together to affect change on 100,000 people. You know, and so, but it couldn't happen unless those two went and others joined them. And so that's, the, that's how this body works here. You know, and so it's, it's verse 5, we are, we are many, yet we're one body. And but we're individual members, and we're to one another. And so those gifts, exercise them according to your proportion of faith. Whatever you, but if you don't, if you, if you think so little of yourself, and you don't know who you are, now let's go back to identity. How have you identified who you are? You'll miss this part. Because what studies out, you know, I tell you, I read lots of different things, but studies are out that people, if they wish they could change their personality, how, what percentage of people do you think wishes that they could change their personality? Yeah, you're 3% from the actual study. 67% say that they wish they could change their personality. 67% of people wish they could change. And what do you think is the biggest changes and why they want to change them? Yeah, almost always for people's approval. So then what kind of giftings do you think, personality do you think you need to have to have the approval of people? Yeah, extroverted. Exact word that you <coughs> So that's exactly what it is. So then what do you do? You become a comedian. Why are you a comedian? You know, most people, are, if you go look at the history of comedians and those that have, have, have taken their lives, those that have done, I mean, who was the great, one of the best comedians recently that took his life? Yeah. Why would he, have you heard his story and why he even became one? Who lived a really hard life, who was sad all the time. So he used comedy to help him feel better and help himself. Yeah, he re-identified himself. Yes. And he forced himself to become something that he really wasn't. And he might have been a very extroverted outgoing guy to begin with, I don't know. But yeah. the fact is, he created the persona that he, that he became, and it still wasn't good enough. Right? He still ended up being so dissatisfied with his life. And here's one of the funniest guys ever. And he was so dissatisfied, so distraught, so unhappy, that what happened? Killed himself. So if you don't know who you are, then you won't know the giftings that you're supposed to have. And the giftings is to serve people, not yourself. That's the problem with that. What happens is we start to wish for something so much for ourselves that we begin to study every way to change ourselves. And then guess what happens? You end up 
lifeless and dead and, and dull and you, you miss this point here that you serve one another. And then some people go, well, I want to be a better servant. So then they sacrifice themselves. I see, I see it here at camp a whole lot because there are people that come here, there are people that live here that sacrifice themselves. You know what? They're pissed off every day because they have to sacrifice themselves. I hate being around them. I don't want to go near them. When I see them coming, I, just, well, I want to go the other direction because they're so ticked off at the world, it seems like. Or because, oh, well, because maybe, you know, Rod didn't step up and pick up the trash and I'm going to go behind and pick up the trash or whatever. You know, and that's not what they say, but it's just stuff like that. I watch them say things about other people. And it's because, oh, I have to do that person's job. And they're so dissatisfied with people and their own ability to serve that they've missed who they've... God has identified them as a servant. He's identified them as a saint. They're to give their life to that. So he says, act in according to your measure of faith. So if, if you're servant, serve. Well, why do servants don't want to serve? It's that idea of approval or they want the extroverted part. They want to reach out and have someone like them. Or they, and then they just get angry because guess who's the one serving? <clears throat> Only them because they're called to serve in that capacity or whatever it is. Or if you're the only one, say, that ends up, uh, you know, being able to, to draw or whatever it is. I don't know. Just think of, right now we have one graphics person in our group, so it'll be easy to point out Rachel here. But each one of you have the same thing. We're going to use her illustration. All right, so who are we going to go to every time we need graphics? Every time. We're going to go right there. And so then eventually she could throw up her hands and go, man, I'm the one that has to do all this all the time, right? And so we could all come up with great ideas, and then she could go, why always me? Why can't somebody else do this stuff? Well, who else in this group's going to do that? Not that she does that, obviously, but I'm just saying, you see how the mentality would be. Now just put it to any other proportion of faith that you can give or talent. What if you're supposed to be the servant that you serve, and you're the, you're the one that's on the bottom serving up? Why would you be upset at that when you're the one doing what God's called you to do? Because everybody else isn't doing what you're doing. It wouldn't make sense, would it? But that's what we do. And so we miss this whole thing that Paul's saying. That you are one. You're all part of the same body, one body. And to exercise those gifts in the measure that's been given to you and the proportion of faith that has been given to you, it's not the amount of faith because it's the whole faith that's been given to you in Jesus Christ. But your giftings are very different. Does that start to make sense? So how how do you see this in your church or in your DSMs or wherever it is that you, you hang out with other Christian people? What do you how do you see this happening and not happening? You see the the uh, the good, the bad, the ugly. What do you see? What have you seen? Definitely, some people decide that well, I'm, I'm just going to do it because no one else really will, without letting anybody else have a chance to. Or um, I don't know. There's something about that self-sacrifice that they they really just think they have to do that. But Here. then when they do that, they attack everybody else because of it. Have you ever seen somebody do something they really weren't gifted to do, but they did it because the job needed to be done, and they did exactly that. Well, or then, but I think probably what I see most often though is um, 
people don't want to deal with other people. They don't want to teach other people. Um, and so instead of taking extra time to teach somebody else to do it, they continually fall on that sword, but then blame everyone else for it. When really, it's their own fault for not raising, raising up other people to help. You know, um, uh, because when you do that, you can use the poor me card. Well, I did this, and I did that, and I did all this more than you, um, because there was nobody else. When in reality, it was, well, I pushed people away so they couldn't help, so I had to take it by myself. Yeah. I, I think that's really common. Have you guys seen that? Have you experienced it yourself? Both sides, maybe? Someone doing that to you, and you doing that to someone? Maybe? Might have seen it in our team. Maybe. I don't know, just saying. You know, he says in what's verse 10 say? Someone tell me what verse 10 says. <coughs> yeah, what's verse 10 say? Um, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. <coughs> what did it say again? Love one another. Love one another with brotherly affection. I'll do one another in showing honor. Yeah, we're actually <coughs> mine says something else. That's why I was what you said outdo, is that what yeah. right? Man, that's an interesting concept here. Mine says, you know, give preference. So outdo, you know, to one another. So give your best. Go the all out to take care of people. And this is the scriptural basis of serving one another and teamwork right here. Right? So what do you see going on out there? Is there you see the any, any, any grumbling stuff? People grumbling about somebody who didn't do their part? That's, that's interesting. So yeah. get after it, right? Um, honor means a valuing by which the price is fixed. Yes, Kenny, let me see what he wants. Hello? Hey. <coughs> yes, uh, they're on their way down there. They should be down there. Awesome. Okay, thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Vaguely. Yes, it's all it, all the summer missionary videos will be on on the line as well. We'll have everything on there for download. Yeah, it'll be in the in the main or smug mug folders. Yes. Okay, cool deal. And you can go online and get it once it's all uploaded. But we'll get it all uploaded. Okay. But it's honor is a value by which the price is fixed. And so it's. Um, Say that one more time. It's a value um, by which the price is fixed. And so, um, so then honor is valuing somebody, but not necessarily based off of their action and off of what they do. So it's not saying, well, you're not stepping up, so I'm not going to honor you. I'm not going to value you because you're not participating fully. Um, honor is something that is separate from action. It's a value that's given because of who they are and who bought them and you know, because Christ Christ is in them and that 
that value is more than what they're worth. Like that, that's, that is the value that they're worth, but it's more than what they do. So in this particular instance, what, who, how is he speaking to give a value to who and why do you think based on 90 days of study? I'll use the word context. Well, he specifically, who, who is he talking about in this whole chapter, whole book? Lord, 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 Lord. He's talking believers. And so we just got off of, he just exhorted both, uh, admonished and exhorted both the, the Jewish Christian brother and the Gentile Christian brother. And now what's he telling the two of them to do? Who are the children? love each other and give honor there's been a value placed on them and what is the value placed on them and he's the same for the Gentile and the Jew right so the same Jesus in me is the same Jesus in you and it values us equally and we love one another with the same value that's been placed on you in Christ Jesus and those who are not in Christ Jesus then what honor should we give them and why what it should be different I was talking to Cambridge the other day um, after our, our our meeting that we had up here, and, um, and so she was just asking, you know, yeah, why would why would somebody want to hurt themselves like that? And uh, uh, you know, she was talking about that there was there was a period of time where she was having a lot of problems, and so she felt like she was broken, like there's something wrong with her. And so um, I asked her, I was like, when you felt like that, did you feel did you feel like you were worth something? And she said, well, no, not really. I said, well, why? She said, you explained you know, the problems she was having. It made her feel like she she wasn't like a part of the family. This, not how we were making her feel, but how she, she knew about her action. She was feeling that way. And um, I said, well, if you felt that way for a long, long, long time, do you see how you could feel this way? She said, yeah, I do. Um, I said, her, I said, but what's the truth? You know, the truth is that you know, if I, uh, and so I have my phone, so if I bought this phone and I paid $500 for this phone, what's this phone worth to me? Well, it's $500. Yeah, it's worth $500 to you. I said, well, so if Christ died for you and paid for you, um, if that was the price that was paid was Jesus, then what are you worth? You know, so Christ died for all. He didn't die for some. He died for all. So what are lost people worth? They're worth what Christ paid for them, which was in itself, you know? That's exactly what he's even saying here. That at the very last thing, you know, overcome evil by, you don't have to overcome it with evil. We're to do it by good. And why? Because the person that's acting evil was still bought and paid for with the same price that you were paid for. So we honor people no matter what. And that's what we do. We serve them. And that, the hardest part is to serve those who want to hurt you or harm you, whether emotionally or physically. You know, but we still serve them. And we give our all. And when you do, that's where you'll find your true happiness. For people that are unhappy and get to that place, a state of mind where they want to die, it's because they're serving themselves, not serving people. And they don't serve the Lord then. You've been given a measure of faith. And I don't know what it is for each one. I can guess just about after being with you for 90 days. I can begin to guess what some of your giftings are. And uh, you know, I don't know them all. But that's part of like the personality testing and doing all those things. It helps us to identify how you were created, God, and how you were not only created, but the measure of faith that He's given you and giftings that He's given you. And you should start to see some of these things out to come out of you. And how do you serve the church? Because if that's if you miss that part, 
if you miss serving one another, you'll be a very frustrated Christian when you're 50 or 40 or 30 or with children and the church isn't serving you. You'll get frustrated and you'll use words like, well, I'm not fed here. I have to go somewhere else. You're not fed here because you're not feeding. You're not feeding people and you're not being fed because you're not feeding them. Every time I hear that, oh, I'm not being fed here. And some of you may have said that. I'm not being fed here. It's, it's your own fault. You know, it's their fault. And that's, I want to tell them, well, you're starving because you're not giving food to those who you don't have it yourself. Because <coughs> the abundance comes, the, the, food, the, the feeding comes from the abundance of within yourself. You can't feed anybody. You're sitting there, take, 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 take. You know, it's like the prayer of, oh, we need to pray for me today. You know, it's all about me. I, I don't, I, there's, there's a, I have a philosophy, and just to so understand, I don't ask for prayer requests around the room. And have you noticed that? I mean, does it even occur to you that I don't do that? I don't ask for you to give me your prayer request. Not that that's a bad thing, but it's just a, it's a personal thing for me. It's like there's not a. Uh, it's not that I don't want to pray for you, but usually what happens is that opens up a platform for people to tell all their aches and serves, you know, everything that's bothering them, and spill it all out and become poor me. And it becomes a selfish issue versus a real prayer issue. You know, now if we need to pray for someone else and. You know, that's something else, you know, but you see what I'm saying? I mean, it becomes, you, you'll notice it. If you had noticed, we don't talk about it here, so you have, you're not noticing it here, but you'll notice it in other circles. Start throwing out prayer requests, and what does everybody start asking prayer for? It'll either be themselves or a sick family member, nine times out there. Someone who's sick, dying, you know, going through cancer, broke their leg, or something like that, so it'll be a sick family member. Very rarely will it be a lost family member, occasionally. And very rarely will it be lost friends. Very rarely will it be that we have wisdom to share with lost friends. You see what I'm getting at? It's just it's usually very self-focused when we do. And do we have needs? Yeah, we do. We do have needs. But it's this is it becomes a a you know a selfish prayer, and then we miss the point of really serving one another. If you want to if you want to get fed, feed people. If you really want God to answer prayers, pray for people. Who's interceding for you? Yeah, we saw that <coughs> in the text, right? The Holy Spirit, Jesus, is interceding for us. So then how, isn't it better to intercede than to, for you to try to intercede for yourself? Matter of fact, all the Chambers calls, he says, eventually you won't even pray for, you'll stop praying for things, especially for yourself, because you just won't see it as the same. You're not the, you're not the concern anymore. So I'm very careful about, and I've learned to be careful too about praying for how I pray for myself. You know, and sometimes I feel guilty even now praying for myself. So even that's just the perversion of it. You know, because you still need to pray for yourself. You need to pray for wisdom. You need to pray for the things that you know, lift those up to God. But you'll quit praying for certain things. You'll notice some things will start to go out the window, and your prayers will change over time, and it will 90% be involved with someone else. You'll be praying for. Other people. <coughs> You'll be praying for those enemies. You know, like when he says, you know, when you get down towards, you know, the end of the chapter, you know, it's, uh, uh, well, just before I get there, verse 16 or 14, bless those who persecute you. And I have a hard time actually blessing those who persecute us. You know, I don't want to bless them. I want to go kick them in the teeth. You know, it's like, leave me alone. Go away. You know, but I'm supposed to bless them. I haven't learned that real well. I've still... That's an area God's still teaching me to serve those who persecute me. Uh, you know, but it's, 
this fervency to this listed here, devoted to one another in fervency. You know, I was thinking about, you said something the other day, and you used a word I have not ever used, uh, but you used it, so, so I've been sitting there thinking about that, you know, uh, when you said Michael was afraid of me, and, uh, and you used the word condescending. Uh, I don't ever feel like I speak in condescending this. It's always passionate, and sometimes it comes across as anger. Uh, my, my passion sounds like anger when it's not. But I can see someone being afraid of something like that. But this fervency towards one another is, and the prophet is speaking truth so fervently that it shakes people to the core sometimes. And so I'm not comfortable with that part of who I am. <coughs> I wish that, that if my wish would be, that part would go away. But God has been showing me in the last couple of years, you know, that's who he created me to be. So I'm learning to accept myself. And how he's created in a measure of faith and be fervent in it. And preach it, man, no matter if there's an opportunity to say it. You know, it's like in the pool, you know, there was an opportunity to speak. And Kenny was over there talking to me, and he's like, what are you going to talk about? I said, I'll give you two guesses, and, and the first one don't count. Which scripture do you think I'm going to use? And you know what? He guessed the exact scripture that I was going to be using, because he, he knows me. He knows well enough that that's what I'm going to If I have an opportunity to preach in front of people and tell them, uh, why waste time on all this other stuff? They, they all need to see the truth quickly and pointedly. And that's... that's that's what I did, you know, and not everybody to hear that, but that's just the way God's called me to do, right? It's the gospel. And so I know there's people standing around that edge of that pool that do not know the Lord, even though they say they do. And some have been baptized in that pool, and I guarantee you they don't know who Jesus is because they're still whining about every aching pain they have. They're missing how to serve others. This, this, this here in, in 12 is a natural outpouring of your relationship with Jesus Christ. This doesn't happen, probably something's wrong. Well, not probably, there is something wrong, right? And if you can't love people, even those who are unloving, and those who have giftings that are different than you, can you appreciate and honor those giftings? And I hope, if nothing else, that you've learned this summer, that you've learned to be able to, to, to celebrate, and literally celebrate what other people are, are doing even though that's not your gift. And that's why it was important that you brought the picture and we're celebrating what Philip had done. And and, uh, and, and I'm going to share a comment that you made just, just so they understand the realness of it. Uh, that it was like he's becoming a better photographer and, and I wanted to assure him that's not true. Uh, that you're both very good and you have very different things, but still celebrate. You don't have to, se you don't have to put yourself down to celebrate someone else. You know, and that's the hard part. It's hard to celebrate someone else sometimes. It is maybe maybe that maybe that is a better picture than than I've taken. You guys are getting better than I am. You know, Stacy is as good or better. You know, and better at some things than I am. You know, but I still want to celebrate what she's done. I don't need to worry about what I'm not. I I know where I'm at. I know I don't pick the camera up, and it's a practice issue. You know, if you don't do that, you're going to lose. You know, and so. Why would I now compare myself? There's no reason to, right? So, but we've got to celebrate one another. We've got to, and Caleb does it way, way too often, uh, where he's, he pulls, he celebra he'll celebrate others, but then you'll discount yourself. You know, and, and the two video guys tend to want to celebrate Matthew and discount yourself when that's just not true. 
He's been doing it for years. This isn't like he just picked it up and started doing it last week. You know? <coughs> he's been doing this a long time. And he's been passionate about it. He's gone to classes about it. He's watched video after video about it. So he should be. I would expect him to be better than anybody in the room. You know, if, if he's not, something's wrong, right? He should be better. And so, but does that make you guys any less? No, the talent's there. It's just like to be able to see. You can see. That's half the battle. You know, first of all, if you can't see it, you will never be able to edit. You'll never be able to shoot it. You'll never be able to edit if you can't see it. You know, how did you see the flower before it came? Did it just show up on the screen? Oh, it's a pretty flower. You know, let's try that. No, it took lots of practice and playing and manipulating lines and I don't know what you call all that stuff, but you know, making them turn and move and it took lots of playing with lines and different things <coughs> to be able to create that kind of thing. So it's. <coughs> It's time and practice things, so don't don't discount yourself because you, you don't have it all down. And just because, and photography may not be your long-term career, may not be, you know, may be something something else, you know. But follow your heart and give honor to one another and celebrate others when they do well. And you'll you'll be a much happier person when you do. Any thoughts about this? Disagreements? Agreements? What do you think number 18 says? Verse 18. <coughs> do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Mine says it depends on you. So do all you can. And so how do you live in peace? Celebrate others, man. Celebrate people. Celebrate what they do. Be the one that helps them be good at what they do. You be good at what you do, and hopefully someone celebrated you too. And if not, there is someone <coughs> celebrating you. And there is you. And that's enough, man. It really is. Jesus is enough. <coughs> I don't do what I do here for, you know, I, I, I wished I had approval from people around me, but I actually do not have that approval. It may surprise you to find out that, that I have very little approval for what I do here. Just never. In, in my eight years, might have had twice. I can count it on less than one hand. Good job, Rod. Most people discount it because they don't want to say, oh, well, it'll just make you have a haughty spirit. You know, sometimes you just got to encourage people and say, hey, you're doing a good job, man. Keep going. And why? So that you know you're going in the right direction. But I have a deep enough relationship with Jesus that I know I'm going in the right direction whether someone says it or not. I really don't care what they tell me. I'm doing what I believe the Lord has called me to do. You know, and if I get crucified for it, fine. If I don't get acknowledgments for it, fine. Now I get plenty of acknowledgement for people that come in that room and experience it. Believe me, I hear it. That's enough for me. When a youth minister comes back and says, man, this is awesome for our kids, or a children's minister, so this is incredible for our kids, you know, and themselves. That's enough for me. I don't, I don't need the approval of men. God is using people still to encourage me through those men, I guess. I don't need to have that, these particular people tell me, good job. You know, and, and most of the time, actually, I've had some ridicule so badly that you guys have a reputation of what you have because of me. Meaning that I was told in years past that this team's lazy. Would you consider yourselves lazy? If someone were to tell you right now, by the end of the summer, 
that you were lazy and all you did was take pictures and sit in the air conditioner, what what would that make you feel like? Like people didn't care to take the time and notice what we did just to see beyond the what little they actually do see of us. Do you feel guilty because you didn't help in the dining hall? Go ahead. Well, well yeah. And I do. And also, I would be hurt, really hurt from just just for them to see me in that just that way and not take the time to really see me in any different way. Do you feel like you worked hard? Yeah, I worked really hard. You did did uh, uh, did you give your all to them? Do you want to be appreciated for it? Of course. So <coughs> uh, did you sweat? Cried. <laughs> and you sweated. <laughs> Right? You sweated and cried. We all did. You know, some form or fashion. <coughs> did you have difficulties? And, and any of the process anywhere that made yours a less difficult struggle than someone else? Could you say you did more struggle than somebody else? I think it's all relative. That's the hard part, right? Because we can see our own little world, so now you can see how other people think. They see their own struggle in their own world. And they go, oh well, I think we work harder than immediately. Well, for a long time, man, that was the that was the prevailing thought here on this campus was that the media team didn't do anything and they just lounged and had it easy. And because you didn't help in the dining hall, why do you feel guilty because you you weren't in the dining hall? That's like where everyone works, comes together and works. That's the one place where just about everybody comes together, right? And they all work and, and so what's the other issue that uh, what's their attitude all of those that come there to work what's their attitude about the dining hall it's a chaotic and hate it. well just personally for me last summer I, it was chaotic and I hated it and, uh, was just so now think about that now because that wasn't just you personal that is everybody that is the prevailing thought across staff and some missionary staff Everybody hates it. Uh, so then, what does misery love? Like, have you has anyone ever gone inside the dining hall on a dinner night uh, in the middle of serving them? Let's say taco night. Yeah. So yeah taco night is probably the worst. And there's an aura that you just go into anger, bitterness, and just not wanting to be there, and misery. And that stems from serving what? Hmm? The, the anger and the frustration and the horror. Oh, it's stem, I thought you said like, keeps you away from serving. No. What, what keeps you in the aura <coughs> of anger and not wanting to be there? Yeah, it's all self. You know, uh, and actually the dining hall is one of my favorite places to be. Because it, it's mindless, it's not hard, it's just you know, you got to clean, and who likes cleaning, right? Nobody likes cleaning, but the part that I enjoy is the people part. And even when they're angry, still, except for one, but most people when they're angry, I, it doesn't matter. Uh, that's Then it becomes a thing, let's how can we make their day better? But it's actually, I enjoy seeing the people and hanging out with people. I miss being there. But I don't feel guilty anymore. I did, because everybody hates it so bad, it's like, oh, I should hate it too. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. 
And so then that's just the wrong thought. But that's what happens. So people go, oh, you don't have to experience this hate-filled, monger place. This is horrible. It's the pit of hell. It's the worst <coughs> pit every day we all have to go to. And, every, and we're forced to be there, and everybody hates it. You know, but how many of you hate doing the green room? Nobody likes to do the green room. You know, it's just as bad. So when I finally figured out that's just as bad as the dining hall, and it takes just as long as the dining hall, it's still a pain in the butt. And, and there's other things that we do, so it's just like... It's done with airy and the night. Yep, and, and nobody likes it. Everybody's tired, you got other things to do, and frustrated. <coughs> you have more frustrations over that, or you <coughs> don't do it. You, you skip out of it, you know? And, and that's just the way it works. The other night, they get down there, and it's a long, tired night, and there's still a whole bunch of stuff left to do. Instead of hollering and saying, hey, come fix it, you know, I would rather just sit someone else do it, and I would probably typically do that. But it was like, you know, I, wanted, I thought of you guys, I thought, I'll, I'll just finish it up myself. And then people, if someone comes down, they go, oh, well, let, let me help you. Because they feel guilty all of a sudden, you know, because they didn't do their part or something didn't get finished or whatever. And it's like, there's no sense in feeling guilty. But that's, that's what happens when, we're, when we miss chapter 12 here, is that either one we didn't serve and we feel guilty or... Someone makes us feel guilty because we didn't serve. And so we've learned a pattern. It's a pattern we've learned. So it wasn't just that moment that someone made us feel guilty, but it's a pattern. And so we feel guilty when someone else is doing work we think we're called to do. And because the, our system says you're supposed to help in the dining hall and you don't, then you feel guilty. Our system's broken. You know, it's, that's just the way it is. Because the words they use are everyone does this. Right. Everyone's job is this. If you're not doing this, you know, you're not doing your job. Because when in reality, there's 11 people who don't do that. Yeah. So there's a sixth of our team, or you know, more than that, a fifth of our team who can't participate in that. Yeah, not only do we not, neither does the medical staff, and neither does the... Okay, so, so there's, there's really quite a third of our team that can't do right. that. And I know some of them feel guilty, too. Even the, even the dining hall people don't do it all. Yeah, you know, they, they have a different schedule. It's in the battle that, but they have a different schedule. The rec team's the one who ends up with the shaft. They're the ones that get to do it all. You know, and so I do, I feel for them because they're the ones having to, to, to do all that stuff. But anyway, the, the idea here is uh, when you serve people, you'll find love and compassion and you won't find <coughs> that hate in those places like that. And it gets really tough because we don't want to serve those. And so I, I feel bad when I'm serving <coughs> someplace that I know I can't be. And so that's what's hard when we're on community teams. We used to, we've done it once where we were the community team, and that worked the best. Because then it doesn't shortchange our community team. Because then, you know, when you and I are not there, that's two people missing off our team. You know, and same for, I think you guys are on the same team. When two of you aren't there, it's two people. Somebody has to do your job that was, a, that was given to you to do because of your community group assignment. And I thought it was pretty interesting. I was appreciative of you giving up a comment of saying, hey, here's our community team, because this really is, but it's hard to say that because there are some who would get angry at that, and not some missionaries. That's not who would get angry at that, but this is, this is our community, this is my community group. How many of your community groups followed you all summer and made sure you were careful, and not to blame, blame, but just how many of your friends from your community groups some of you probably had one or two, maybe. And some of you may not. 
Uh, but that's what we're supposed to do with one another. It's love and care for another. When you're listening here, I guarantee you, I want to be finding this happening. You know, you might be 30 minutes later, I'll wait till 8 o'clock, but I'm coming to look and make sure you're okay, you're alive, you're everything okay. Did you get raptured? I didn't until it's happening. You know, the day was supposed to end yesterday as well, and I don't know if you that. Yeah, it was, it was a bacon day. I call it a bacon day. It's, it's stupid, but it's, it, I don't know, it was something lined or something was supposed to line. You know, it was supposed to destroy the world yesterday. Stars. Oh, polar ice caps, something like that. Yeah, something oh, like that. the world was supposed to end. <coughs> and then when I get up here, there was nobody here. And so I was like, oh, maybe the world ended and everybody got raptured and I got left. So what's that say, right? Bro, you ever have that thing? <coughs> when the rapture comes, you're the, you're the only one left? Yes, oh, gosh. Yes, I mean, it should be a natural thing. But anyway, so I'm glad I wasn't. I'm glad y'all showed up. And I don't struggle with that. Yeah. Yeah. I was say, yeah, you should, if, you, if you know who you are and your identity in Christ, you wouldn't be worried about being left. So that ought to tell you that we all struggle with our identity and it's forever. It'll be that way until you go home. So you'll struggle with your identity for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter how it all plays out. Yeah. Yay for the struggle, right? Yay for struggle. <laughs> all right. So what so, I look forward to. Yeah. There's something that happened earlier in the summer with uh, an elderly member of our staff and I remember after they left the room I heard them like, well, good to know it never gets better. Yeah. So good to know you never really get over it all. You just don't. But thanks for the grace that God has given us, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's like um, there's a song that I like by a band for 10,000 in the North called The Struggle, ironically. But um, the line from the song that just really made me while it was, you know, um, <coughs> We're not struggling to be free, but we're free to struggle. Yeah. We're free in that grace to move around, but we're not so, we're not lost trying to figure out who we are anymore because we have Christ. We're not struggling to get ourselves out of our sin. And when I hear preachings or you, your teachings on like, and, and when you're talking like absolutes, it like, it terrifies me because I don't love in absolutes and yeah. like, I don't serve him by absolutes, and so, and then I, I mean, forget about the grace in that in those moments, and I'm like, I'm really not saved. I'm mm -hmm. wrong. I'm, uh, uh, I'm lost, and I'm not doing this right. I'm not loving. And you said it really well. The absolutes are because there is still absolute truth, right? Absolutely. It's absolutely, absolutely true. And so now it's learning how to walk in that, which is what chapter 12 is about, transforming our mind to walk in that. So the absolutes don't identify us as lost anymore. It just identifies that our mind needs to be transformed, our hearts transformed, and we learn to walk in and grow in. And so now have grace on yourself and one another because God's given you a measure of grace as well so that you can walk in that struggle and still know that it's okay. But then when there's an identifier, there's, there, there'll be time when you see, like what we saw with Sean, you know, where you, you, something's wrong and it's more than just walking, right? It's more than just struggling with your walk with God. There's something else disconnected. And we all could see it. And, and thankfully he came to that conclusion, and I really do believe he's made that decision. I think he's going to struggle a whole lot with it because he's lived a whole long time. But when he came here, he, he, was, he professed himself, as he said, as a Christian atheist, which is, you know, doesn't work, right? It's an oxy, it just doesn't work. Mm -hmm. So, 
There's no such thing as a Christian atheist. You can't have a, a Christian and not believe God. So that was his self-professed thing. And so then when it came about to realize where he's at, I'm excited for it. But it's going to be a struggle. It will be a struggle from here on for a long time for him. And so that's where we need to be a team and look out after him once we leave here. Just encourage him when you see him or hear him or write to him or see him on Facebook or whatever. You know, encourage him. Because you know, he'll tend, we all will tend to go back to what we knew. Just the way it is. But the absolute truth is still absolutely true. You know, when you know those truths, that helps you. It'll eventually help you to be the guy to go, oh, well, this is true of me. I decided. I think um, through this summer of me learning through, of absolute truth, it, it given, it's, it's given me such an appreciation of Jesus because I can't reach those absolute truths. Yes. And it, it gives me such a love and a thankfulness for Jesus. That I didn't really have before. That's cool. Yeah, that's the point. The point is that we can't. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, that's the question. Is where I can't is okay. That's right. When it comes to trying to attain righteousness and perfection, I can't on my own. But you know, last thing I'm gonna say, um, only a Sith deals in absolute fraud. <laughs> only a Sith deals in absolute. Food. I'm gonna end on that. Don't stress out, guys. Don't stress out, guys. Don't stress out, guys. Matthew speaks. I'll pray. Right. <laughs> Father, I just want to thank you for giving us this truth on, on how that we should act every day of our lives and in every situation with every person, Lord. And I pray that you give us I pray that you give us this wisdom and that we act on it and that we love unconditionally and that we love uh, with realness and that we just serve without the mindset of ourselves. So I pray that right in this moment that you take ourselves out of, out of our minds and that we think of others. God, I thank you so much that you, what you've done with our team and what you're still doing. I pray that I pray for the preteen. Uh, pray for the preteeners that are going to come soon. I pray for all the lost that they come and find you. I pray for the lost on the missionaries, Lord. I pray that you give each of us one an opportunity to speak life into them and speak um, truth so that they may come to you. In your name, I pray. Amen. Amen.